I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 88, in which we talk pattern with Jay. And this one is another episode that's being recorded in a couple of different pieces. Jay and I talked um, several days ago now, might have even been almost a week, and then I am recording this part, my beginning and ending, and then I'm actually not, I'm going to be pre-posting this, so it will go live when I'm actually out of town. So as you are listening to this, you can imagine me wherever I might be at the time that you're listening to this. I'll be heading off on my vacation. Uh, but please still feel free to go ahead and leave comments as you are so moved. I will catch up with everyone when I'm back. And I've had a listener already be in touch with me about her experience finding wireless um, free internet Wi-Fi while she was in Europe. So I plan on using her tips as well. So hopefully I will be able to be somewhat in communication while I'm gone. But frankly, I will also be doing other things. So in any case, um, while I am recording this, I am still in the middle of my two-year podcast anniversary celebration. I'm having a great time with it. I'm using it as an opportunity to say thank you to my listeners. Those of you who have been with me since the very, very humble beginnings of this podcast two years ago, and those who are just joining even now as we speak, I just am really appreciative and always a little bit surprised and dumbfounded that people are listening. <laughs> So so thank you so much, and I hope you're enjoying the um, opportunity to uh, do some giveaways, put your name in for some chances, that kind of good stuff as well. Um, all right, so in this episode, I'm going to be starting with the conversation with Jay, and then I've got just a little tiny bit of a Sandy update, some listener feedback, and a few announcements to do at the end with my contact info and all that good stuff. So definitely stay tuned, but first we are going to talk with Jay. And this is the next topic in our design series, pattern. So here we go. Okay, I'm here again with Jay, which is always a good time. And Jay, what are we talking about today? Hi, Sandy. Today we're talking about pattern. Ooh. So what do you mean by when you use the term pattern? Well, pattern is an element of design, and what we are not talking about is a little plastic baggie with instructions for a quilt inside. <laughs> All right, so this is a different kind of a pattern than what we tend to usually mean when we say that word. Yes. So pattern is a repetitive design with a motif appearing again and again. It's formed by the repeat of a shape, a line, or a form within a design field, and I really like that that term design field if you think of your quilt as the design field mm, right okay it's good um and pattern is a design or design formed by the repeat of a shape line or form within the design field when a shape is repeated three or four times a pattern is formed okay and you'll notice that i keep talking about repetition right <laughs> yeah rep these these elements and principles are all related, so I really encourage people to listen to the other um, segments that we've done. 
Okay. So in a, in a way then, as we've done them in this order, uh, repetition leads to rhythm and repetition and rhythms then kind of create pattern. Exactly. That's a very good way of putting it. Okay. And if you think of pattern, think of a, um, of a piece of fabric that has dots on it. That's a pattern. Or a piece of fabric that has paisleys or leaves or anything repeated over the surface. That those motifs are patterns. Okay. But the repetition of the motif or color, value, line, shape, or texture doesn't have to be identical in order to create a pattern. For example, maybe you have a piece of fabric that has dots and X's on it, like the XO sort of thing that we see so much on Valentine's Day. That can still be a pattern. And pattern is usually regular, high in contrast, and often represents something that we can identify. Like I was talking about a leaf or a plant or a dot or X's. All right. I think I'm understanding then what pattern is. And we tend to then think of it um, specifically as the fabric itself. You know, we know of fabrics with prints on them. Well, that kind of stands out to us as, yes, okay, that's a pattern. I can understand that. But are there other ways then that you can create pattern without relying on the fabric that's got a print in it? Well, when you create a quilt, so we can go back to our favorite red and white sawtooth star quilt, you're creating a pattern by making those sawtooth stars. Or even the other mythical quilt that we were talking about, the star sampler, even though the stars are different, they still create a pattern of stars over a design field, which is the surface of your quilt. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with you. I really like the idea of thinking of the entire quilt as the design field. So you look at it more as a whole piece. Yeah, it's just a cool concept to think about. When I came across it, I'm like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So... A quilt maker can use design elements such as solid colors and plain thread without any pattern in them and use them in a way that creates a pattern in the whole composition. And that's what I was talking about with the red and white saucy star quilt. You don't need pattern fabric to create a pattern. You just need your own design. Right, okay. Um, so in terms of fabric, or I'm sorry, Types of patterns, so there are different types of patterns, and patterns can be broadly grouped into categories according to their style or shape, and there are a couple. Geometric or amorphous, which is mostly straight lines with angles, although designs with curvilinear lines are sometimes geometric. So I'm thinking of a fabric that I have that has circles, but the lines that make up the circle are a little bit thick. They're not just like a pencil line. They're maybe more of, of a um, broad tip marker line, and there's you can see through that circle to the color of the fabric. Okay. So those those circles would be geometric. The then the next type is realistic. Something can be identified, such as objects or people. 
And there's a lot of fabric now that has things that you can identify. We used to just see flowers and leaves and things like that. But now there's a lot of chairs and Anila Hui has that line with children on swings and really realistic looking trees. So there's a lot of different realistic patterns out there now. And then abstract, which are simplified shapes that just suggest the subject. And there's non-objective patterns, which are abstract without suggesting any realism. So kind of watercolor brushstrokes would be non-objective. And just in terms of fabric, if fabric has a large-scale pattern, its repetitions will not even be visible when small pieces are cut for it. So that, even though you have a realistic pattern, it could look abstract if you cut it up into small pieces. And I'm thinking right now of Philip Jacobs' fabric. He has those wonderful large kind of wallpaperish looking flowers. Mm-hmm. You cut them up, they're just little bits of the petals or the background and a little bit of petal and it looks very abstract. If the fabric has a medium scale pattern, the repeats may be visible and may be a strong part of the design, even if you cut it up. So again, I'm thinking of maybe dots or stripes or something like that, or even really small realistic type design. I know it said medium, but I'm thinking of different size pieces that you cut. So cut a a one and a half inch square, you might get a different effect than a two and a half inch square. Right. It's really important to remember that the size of the fabric pattern will influence its readability at a distance. So if you think about the types of patterns that we talked about, and the types of squares that you're using, which leads back to what I just said about one and a half versus two and a half. Think about that in terms of what fabric you're going to use, because you might want to see those flowers. Well, if you're trying to cram a Philip Jacob iris into a one and a half inch square, it's not going to work. Right, right. So pattern is used in quilt making. We've already talked about that a little bit with our favorite Foxy Star red quilt. I think you and I are going to have to make one of those quilts. (laughs) At some Uh, point, we keep talking about them anyway. (laughs) We do. Um, So, but there are other ways that pattern is used also. Repeat motifs on a length of fabric. And we talked about dots. We talked about stripes briefly. Philip Jacobs flowers. I love that man's fabric. (laughs) Anybody wants to send me fabric, send me Philip Jacobs. Um, fabric will, fabric pattern may be used to contribute to the unity, balance, or variety in the design, but the scale of the pattern, that is its size in the relation, in relationship to the size of the pieces that are cut will determine the impact of the pattern on the overall design of the quilt. That's what I was just saying about the one and a half versus two and a half inch patches. And also, when you repeat a group of designs on a length of fabric that falls to the fabric repeat. Okay, so so the reality is we actually have sort of two levels of pattern when we talk about our quilts, and we need to be aware of both levels. We have the pattern of the fabric itself, 
and the the repeats and the scale of the pattern, etc., and how that will either enhance or work against what we're trying to do with the quilt design itself. And then there's the pattern of the quilt design and the whole design field. And so we really need to keep those two things in our head in tandem um, as we're working on our quilts, is it's not just, you know, going for the pretty colors. It's really looking at what fabric will most enhance your overall design, even in terms of the print or the pattern of the fabric itself. Correct? That's that's what Correct. I'm hearing? Okay. Correct. Because if, if you see a wonderful fabric on the bolt and you take it out of the, the bin at the quilt shop and you unroll it and you see these gorgeous flowers or whatever, and then you're going to cut it up into very tiny pieces, you're not going to see those gorgeous flowers. If you have a very large print and you want to see that, you need to choose the appropriate pattern for the size of the print. If you just want the color, then it's fine to cut it up and and cut pieces out of the exact colors that you want. So what you said is exactly correct. Okay. And I know I've, you know, I'm thinking in my head now through quilts that I've experienced this one way or the other. And I know I've made quilts where the design of the blocks themselves kind of leads your eye in one direction, but then, you know, so there's a pattern being formed and a line being formed, but then the fabric periodically would actually block that line because of the pattern of the fabric. So your eyes would be traveling along and then all of a sudden hit, for example, a plaid <laughs> that flows in the wrong direction or something like that. Yeah, and that brings up one of my swing blocks. I've been using Camille Ross Kelly's pattern. I resized it a little bit because 24 inches is really a large block. Right. And one, a couple of the fabrics that I used were from the Sophie line from Moda, which I, I don't know when that was out, last year, the year before. And it had a blue ground and these sort of bouquets of flowers. And what I found when I cut that up was that the softy star in the middle of that pattern, you, the edges were blurred. You couldn't really see without looking very closely that it was a softy star. And it completely had to do with the fabric. And you can't see that it's these bouquets of flowers because I cut it up into smaller pieces, small-ish, not tiny. And the motif was very large. And I wasn't really expecting that. I kind of like it now, but I really wanted that Saucy Star to be to stand out. And it doesn't because of the fabric that I chose. Right. So I'll, I'll put up a, a picture of that. I'll remind myself. I think, it, let me just put a little product uh, tip in here. There are, um, where you can buy the, the value finders, you know, the pieces of red uh, mm. colored plastic that you can hold up to check the value. There are some that also have shapes cut into them of various sizes. Or if you are working on a quilt and you need to know how a fabric is going to look cut to the size of the shape you need, make yourself an index card template and then hold it up over the fabric. Because it is true, when you cut something up, you could end up with a part of color that's not at all what you needed because that's the part you happen to cut. Um, so that's just a little tip that we'll throw in the middle of our conversation about design. And I think the 3-in-1 color tool has a red and green piece with it also. The newer that's version does. Mine does not. 
I have an older version of it. I don't have the green. Yeah. Straight up, five of you. I know. (laughs) We discovered that at our recent design study group meeting. I was the only one there that didn't have the green one because I had an older version of it. Um, But in any case. Okay, so what next? Thicker plastic ones that you can buy. But anyway, next. So I just have a couple of notes. This is actually very short, I realize now. Um, So I have some notes. A pattern is created when the viewer is led to anticipate the same elements in a design. And if we go back to thinking about our Satu star, let's say we made it in different reds or different red fabrics. They're all the same color, but some have dots and some have stripes and some have little flowers. You're still anticipating that it's a sawtooth star regardless of the red fabrics that are in there. If it were different colors, maybe less of a pattern would create it, but sawtooth star is pretty strong, so if the fabric wasn't bleeding out into the into the background, then you would still get that anticipation of another sawtooth star. And the repetition in a pattern doesn't have to be symmetrical, nor does it have to be precisely placed for the viewer to be able to anticipate or find the pattern. Sometimes a pattern can be noticed by one viewer and not another. And there are some quilts, they're kind of uh, eye puzzles, I guess, where Someone will look at them and go, oh, look, there's a an animal or or something. Usually they're black and white. And then somebody else will go, I don't see that, but I do see something else. I think that's kind of what this note is talking about. Mm-hmm. Also, you could have a dot fabric that has all different colored dots on it. It's still a pattern, even though the dots aren't the same. The shape doesn't have to be the same size or scale to create a pattern, but it does need to have a consistent feel. So if you think about large dots and small dots in different colors, you can still have a pattern even though there are quite a few differences. It just has to have a consistent feel to be a pattern. I have some fabric. It's black with white on it. And the repeat is quite large. And it has a little table with two chairs, like cafe chairs and tables, in one section. And then there's some cakes and teapots. And it's sort of a cafe theme, like going to a cafe and ordering some little snacks kind of thing. So not all the motifs are the same size and shape, but it has a consistent feel because of the line that was used to draw the motifs and because it's all drawn in white. All the motifs are drawn in white on a black ground. I don't know if I have any of that fabric left, but if I do, I'll try and and post a photo. I'm just making a note. Um, So Pattern and texture are often used interchangeably because a pattern may give a surface the appearance of texture and because textures have a distinct repeating arrangement that creates a pattern, but they aren't the same. 
texture you can often feel. And we'll talk about that later. Whereas pattern, you might be able to feel it, but it can be a pattern without any additional touch sensation to it. Okay. And when I, when I read this, I thought of a woven piece or weaving. If you use different threads on the warp and the weft, different thicknesses, then you get a pattern, but you also get texture. Okay. And this brings up that pattern is sometimes called visual texture. Visual texture is a pattern that you can really see, and it might have some dimensionality to it. But if you think of your fabrics, I mean, look on your design wall, and you see a whole bunch of, of different patterns that are visual texture. And finally, the essential distinction between texture and pattern seems to be whether the surface arouses our sense of touch or merely provides designs appealing to the eye. In other words, while every texture makes a sort of pattern, not every pattern could be considered a texture. This is from the Pentak and Lauer book, and if people haven't gotten that book, go get it. It's really good. <laughs> it has a really good section on pattern and texture, and I have to say that not all the books consider pattern or texture to be elements or principles of design. I was kind of surprised about that. Right. But there you have it, pattern. You're all experts now. <laughs> well, and, and as we've said, in, in some ways, this almost feels like the middle book in a trilogy, you know, that we've gotten the the rhythm and the repetition kind of lead into, you know, that's the first book in the, the trilogy, and then we've got pattern, and then we're leading into texture. They're all so interrelated that it's sort of hard to um, sift them out, I think, in my head. Yeah, and you really get into all of them. I mean, we've talked about shape a number of times in this segment, and we haven't even gone there yet. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think what that helps us to remember is that design really is holistic. You know, when you look at your quilts, knowing what each one of these things is, is helpful. Because again, as we've said, I think probably in every one of these segments, when you when you can see that something's wrong, but you're not quite sure what it is, you know, knowing these things helps, helps you sort through in your mind, well, maybe it's the, the repetition is off, or maybe the, the you know, the pattern is off. Um, but it's really a whole piece. So it helps to know that they're all so intricately interrelated. Right, and I really hope we're just giving people tools that they can use to look at their quilts and figure out how to make them better or how to make good design choices. Well, judging by Twitter, we are. <laughs> We've been getting a lot of tweets about these episodes. It's been a lot of fun to watch people kind of really think through what they're hearing and, and applying it either to their own quilts or quilts they've seen other in other places. That makes me really happy. Yeah. All right. So, we'll, I mean, we'll, I'm perfectly fine with this being a shorter episode. Again, I think, you know, people have some stuff to mull over. Um, and you will be posting a blog entry um, at some point around whenever I post this <laughs> episode. Okay. Once again, we're recording before, well before these will actually be um, posted. So, and you'll have resource links and all that kind of stuff on your blog too, correct? Correct. Okay, and, and we'll work on having some um, 
images related to these issues. We didn't do so well on syncopation last time. We said we were going to try. I couldn't find anything that I thought really did. That was a toughie. Yeah, and I didn't hear from any of our musician listeners. No. <laughs> from quilt makers, so you guys are on your own for that one, I guess. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you again, Jay, and um, we will uh, pick up the next conversation with Texture. Correct. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Jay. Have a great day. Thanks again. As always, Jay, it is always so much fun to talk with you. And um, also all the stuff that our listeners don't get to hear, all the pre-limb and post-limb kind of stuff that we um, go back and forth as we're trying to figure out what we're going to talk about and and when we're going to post and all that kind of stuff. I always enjoy my opportunities to chat with Jay and really look forward to the day that we will actually be able to meet face-to-face. As usual, please make sure you visit Jay's blog at www.artquiltmaker.com to check out the notes for this episode. She always posts fantastic information to supplement what is in the episode and extra resources and so forth. Um, Since I'm pre-posting this, I will not be able to add a direct link to the actual blog post on her blog with the information for this episode, but I will link to her blog in general and you should be able to find it easily from there. Um, as And as another tip, Jay does also usually tweet her blog link when she posts it. So if you're on Twitter, make sure you're following me at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, and Jay, who is at Art Quilt Maker. That's just the at sign, Art Quilt Maker. Uh, so if you're following the two of us, and especially while I'm gone, if you're following Jay, you will get the information for her blog post when she posts it. Um, Okay, a few announcements. These are fun kind of announcements to give. I want to send out a big congratulations to Jackie, who won the giveaway of the hand-dyed embellishments from Karen Lee Carter. Um, Congrats, Jackie. And as I'm recording this, that's going to get in the mail tomorrow. I was kind of waiting for a few more giveaway winners to build up so I could make one trip to the post office, because I'm not actually tremendously... I mean, I'm not too far from a post office, but to actually get down there and stand in line and everything. I tend to want to wait till I'm doing a bunch at once if I know I've got some coming up. So congratulations to Jackie. Also, congratulations to Linda for winning week one podcast-versary giveaway. That's the one where I was giving away the four fat quarters. Yippee, Linda. And same thing. Yours is going in the mail tomorrow as well. Also, congratulations to Amy, Chris, Jan, Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner Podcast, Mary, Carol, and Pam of Hip to Be a Square Podcast on winning those Aurifil Sampler packs. Congratulations to all of you, all of yours, or at least most of them. I'm still waiting for one address to come back to me, but I expect to get it by tomorrow because it is somebody that tends to be very much on top of those things. Uh, Hopefully all that will be going in the mail tomorrow as well, so that then when I get home, I will just be waiting to mail out the last two weeks of giveaways. So congratulations to everybody. And by the way, I did use random number generator in all of those cases. Um, I I really had a lot of fun doing the Linky the first week with those other podcasters. That was my first time trying to do a Linky, and it was fun. I really liked that. I'm I'm all about community, you know, so the more that we can all link up to each other and be talking to each other, um, I just have a great time doing that. So I'm, I'm most likely going to be doing more Linkies in the future. Thank you so much to all the podcasters who played along, and even those who weren't able to participate in the giveaway, but um, sent me best wishes on their own podcasts. We do love us some quilty podcasters, so thanks, guys. I really enjoyed that. 
Tremendous thanks also to Orophil and Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring, for sponsoring two of the four weeks of the giveaways. I've always been a fan of both, as you know, but now, of course, I'm an even bigger fan. So thank you again to Orophil and Fat Quarter Shop. And don't forget to check the blog. By the time you're listening to this podcast, the Fat Quarter Shop giveaway will be well underway. I just posted that one today. And yes, I posted that one. I'm sorry. Knowing that I'm pre-recording these, I'm I'm in some really random time space continuum in my brain. I'm not really sure what day it actually is that I'm talking about here. By the time I this one goes live, the Fat Quarter Shop uh, giveaway will actually be almost drawing to a close. But there is one more week of giveaways, and that blog post announcing the last week giveaway will go live on Sunday. I'm looking at my calendar, April 22nd, and that will run through Saturday, April 28th. Uh, So be watching out for that. And then I get home a few days after the 28th. I get home like the following Wednesday. Give me a couple of days to really get home. (laughs) My husband always used to say whenever I travel for work, you know, what day do you get home? Okay, well, I'll add two days to that. And that's when you really get home because those first two days, you know, especially when there's time zone issues um, involved, you're really not fully functioning. So it's going to take me a couple days to get back um, in the swing of things. And then actually, I leave town again, briefly, my um, sabbatical ends with that week. And that weekend, then I'm actually driving down to our um, offices on that Sunday and my first day back to work officially is with staff meetings in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. So I get home, I'm home for a few days, do some laundry, throw it back in the car, drive down to Valley Forge for a couple of days. Fortunately, that's a pretty low-key trip. You know, staff meetings, I don't really have to prep for it because it's going to be mostly catching me back up to speed with where we are on stuff. Although I've been keeping up just by kind of reviewing email as it comes through. So I don't feel like I'm going to feel really far behind when I get back to work. So that's a good feeling. Although, who knows, you know, (laughs) there could be big things awaiting me that I'm not expecting. So anyway, that's kind of the uh, schedule for the next few weeks. A little bit of Sandy update, as you know, because I think I talked about this in when I posted the podcast that I just recorded, even though you're listening to this a week later. I did spend my so day uh, primarily playing with paint sticks, although the next day, I guess I recorded that last episode on Friday, and that was between the two days of the so day. We did um, Friday and Saturday. Usually I can only make it to one day or the other. This time I did make it to both. So Friday I spent the whole day playing with paint sticks. Saturday I brought my sewing machine and I finished off the couple of baby receiving blankets when I did the sewing lesson with the women from Burma, there were I had prepared enough sets of the smaller and larger squares to do, I think, about 15 receiving blankets. And we got about 13 of them done, or at least mostly done. And then there were these two sets left. So I had taken those two sets back. I finished both of those on the sew day. And between myself and another woman in the guild, we had also taken several home uh, several receiving blankets home that other folks had gotten almost all the way done, and we just had to do the finishing touches on them. So that, I didn't do that on so, so day. Some point during the week, I had gotten that one done as well. So I think at least for a little while, I am done with receiving blankets, although I do know someone who is um, expecting and decided that instead of making her a baby quilt, I think I'm just going to make her a few receiving blankets. But I want to get some really pretty, nice quilt shop quality flannel for that. And so I need to get out to a shop to do that. So I 
I have to get that done, however, before I go to Valley Forge. So, so that's going to be, I, I will be still making a couple of receiving blankets. I'm not totally done with that project. And by the way, somebody pointed something out to me that I wanted to make sure I announced. This is, the baby receiving blankets are the ones based on the Missouri Star Quilt Company video. Um, that I had posted on my blog oh, several weeks ago now, by the time you're listening to this. If you go back to my Donation Quilt Wednesday posts and look for the one that's labeled something like Baby Receiving Blankets, you'll see where I embedded that YouTube video. Or just go to YouTube and look for Missouri Star Quilt Company videos and look for Self-Mitered Baby Blankets. I think that's the actual title of it. Very simple process, pretty fast, especially once you've done <laughs> several of them. I mean, I had it knocked down to where I think it only took me 20 minutes or so, maybe 30, to get the two, to get each one, to get, so it was 30 minutes apiece to get each one of those made, but that did not include cutting. Um, so I think I decided at one point it was about a 45-minute process from first cut to last stitch. But in any case, they are a lot of fun to do. And, oh, I know what I was about to say. Sorry, I'm losing track of where I was going with that. Somebody, while I was doing the sewing, said, oh, by the way, you know those are also a good size for people who are in wheelchairs to use as a lap robe. And so I took one that I had in my hands and threw it over my legs, and sure enough, it was the perfect size. So not only are these baby receiving blankets, but they can also make very nice lap robes for people who are confined to wheelchairs. So if you're looking for, you know, good hospital projects or projects for nursing homes or hospice um, care or whatever, you might want to check this one out as well. So that was a really neat idea. I hadn't made that connection, but it's absolutely true. They are a good size for both. So I'm not going to be actually getting any more sewing done before I go on vacation because I've, I'm going to take the opportunity of being gone for two weeks to bring both of my sewing machines in for cleaning. I'm going to be dropping them off tomorrow, which is Monday the 16th as I'm recording this. So I'm actually going to be losing two potential sewing days because we don't fly out until Wednesday morning. But, you know, I know me. I'm going to be busy running errands and, you know, trying to make sure I've got everything I need to pack and all that kind of stuff to spend more than an hour a day sewing. So I might as well drop them off Monday morning, make sure I've got that task checked off on my list rather than waiting till the absolute last minute. Plus, you know, I've got my paint sticks to play with if I feel the urge. The only other update is on the Guild Medallion Challenge. As you know, um... Or you probably, I don't expect you to have these things memorized. I don't expect you to keep that close a track of my quilting life. Um, as I have talked about in previous episodes, I guess that's a better way to say it. I am supposed to be doing uh, the, it's a six and a half inch border, four and a half inch border. I don't remember now what the measurement is. That is supposed to use either use stars or pinwheels. And I had designed in EQ a border that uses what I refer to as a deconstructed star. And I really like the design. But I was trying very hard. I'm using all Stonehenge fabrics, and I have quite a collection of Stonehenge fabrics, and I really want to keep it to all Stonehenge. I, I don't want to start adding in, you know, other fabrics at this point. And so I had picked out three fabrics, that I, which is what I need for this design, and I just wasn't happy with them, could not really embrace them. I finally decided, well, I'll take them to Sew Day, and I'll get some consultation from some of my peeps there, and... Some of them liked them better than others, but we all agreed they didn't entirely work, although we disagreed on the reasons why they didn't work and which ones actually didn't work. You know, so ultimately it, it just comes back to whatever I feel about, you know, right about. And there, But there were a couple of very good ideas about ways I might be able to 
uh, make some adjustments to my design to maybe the the problem is I don't have enough left of any of the fabrics that I've used to date to be able to do this next border but we had we did have some discussion about potential adjustments to the design so that I might be able to pull one of those center fabrics out I might have enough to do uh, but still I will I was trying very hard not to have to buy any more fabric at this point but I think <laughs> I'm gonna I've already been online today I think I'm gonna probably have to buy some additional Stonehenge fabric. Not that that's going to ultimately kill me, because I love the stuff. Love it. I've said this before, I think. Have you ever had a fabric that you look at that you just love so much you want to eat it? You know, it's like you need to make it a part of you. It's <laughs> okay, so maybe I really do need a vacation. <laughs> but anyway, I like Stonehenge. Uh, so that's kind of where that is right now. It's, it's stalled a little bit. Now, fortunately, we got a bit of a reprieve because... Um, the the woman who was running that challenge was not at our last guild meeting. And so there were only one or two people that actually had the medallion challenge finished for that, that border. So fortunately, we got a reprieve in her absence. We just voted to say, OK, we'll do it next month instead. So I've I've got a few weeks left that I can get that done. But it'll go together quickly once I make my final decision on the fabric. So that's kind of all I've got going on at the moment um, in the quilting world. As you can tell, most everything is just sort of waiting and seeing at this point. I do have just a little bit of listener feedback, and I decided I would do it. I would go ahead and do it on this episode because Jay and my conversation was a little bit shorter, so I do have a little more room to do it this time. I'm not, uh, am I doing this in any sort of order? Let me double check. I can do it in a little bit of an order. Okay, thank you so much to Holly for sending me a link. We are so good at sending, is trying to spend each other's money. After I was, while I was doing the Orophil giveaway, she found a sale on Orophil thread going on and she sent me the link to it. I did not succumb, Holly, but thank you very much. It was a valiant effort to spend my money. Let's see. Let's go backwards in time. Heather left a post on episode 82 in which we talk about repetition with Jay. And she oh, she was mostly commenting on uh, my the fact that I had gone back to my original intro to the episode or to the podcast series, and she said it always makes me feel part of the group that I'm not the only one who muddles along, loving what I do, but not being or even wanting to be any kind of an expert. And she also said, congratulations on entering the quilt show. One day I too will join you. And Heather, just go ahead and enter it. It is you know you choose the right choose the right show for you first. That's what I would say. Um, there are some shows that are higher stress and probably more rules and, and than others. Certainly the one I chose was specifically because it was pretty low stress and low rules. So <laughs> it was an easy one to have as my first time out. So do try to enter. Noni commented, as always. I'm always so glad to see Noni commenting. And she had asked about the software that I used for podcasting. And I did email her the information. But just in case any other podcasters are listening and interested, uh, I was using Audacity for years. And, you know, it's good for it's a free software. You can do a lot for it. I probably could have kept using it for years, except it kept crashing on me. Um, it got into just a real fight every time I was doing an episode. It would crash on me. And I tried various tweaks and just finally decided, you know, I'm not enough invested in this to make it really worth it. So I did finally pony up and buy some software. And the software I use is Propaganda. 
And I really, really like it. It's, you know, the, part of the reason I felt okay about poning up and paying for software is because I do do the podcast also for work as well as for play. That doesn't mean work paid for the software. Um, whenever I do some, this problem with working for a not-for-profit organization, whenever I do something that's really more for just for my own convenience rather than the absolute what I need to do my job, I tend to pay for it myself. But that's okay because then I don't feel guilty about using it for, <laughs> for other stuff as well. But it's a good software. And mostly what I like it for is uh, for um, ease of use. It's more for organizational things. You create libraries, you're able to keep your files all right in one place. Every time I throw together an episode, it goes much, much, much more quickly than it used to. Uh, so there's a bit of a learning curve because it is very different in the way it works from Audacity, but I really like it. So if, if you're a podcaster and you're shopping around for potential new software, I would suggest you check out Propaganda. Um, don't know if it's both Mac and PC. I am PC-based at the moment, so um, I can only speak to the PC end of things. Also, Noni had said both you and Francis are hooked on Sashiko, and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily hooked on it. If if you've listened to Francis from the Off-Kilter Quilt, um, she's in her one of her recent episodes talked about potentially signing up for a class at... Uh, Oh, why am I blanking on the name? Thimble Pleasures. Now that I've been there, you would think I'd remember it. Nice quilt shop, by the way, Francis. Good quilt shop. Uh, but they're doing a class on Sashiko, and she's thinking about taking it. And I do really like Sashiko, and it's something I could see easily using as an embellishment here and there. I'm not sure I see myself doing a Sashiko piece at any time, you know, an actual just all-out Sashiko piece. But I don't know. I, you know, I never say never on anything. Who knows what whim will get to me. So thank you, Noni, for your comments. Uh, Sherry D. commented on episode 87, in which we play with paint sticks, and she mentioned, and thank you so much for mentioning this, Sherry. I did not even think about checking the site. DickBlick.com is another online resource for Shiva paint sticks. Uh, she said, I only recently discovered them because I'm experimenting with Lumiere paints on fabric. Um, they were recommended by someone else who paints on fabric. And thank you, Sherry. I will also now want to play with Lumiere paints. Again, good at spending each other's money. DickBlick.com, it's D-I-C-K-B-L-I-C-K, all one word, dot com, is a fantastic resource. I have gotten stuff from them in the past. Fantastic resource for art supplies, particularly, well, I mean, in our world for paints, for fabrics, and that kind of thing. So you may want to check that out as well. Thank you for that reference, Sherry. And then final comment that I've gotten, Lindy commented on episode 87, in which we play with paint sticks. Um, she said she she's seen them, but has not used them yet. Now you will. <laughs> that's, that's all I've got to say. Um, I do also want to apologize. I found out yesterday, as I was in poking away, uh, you know, online at my various sites, that I have not been consistently getting notifications off of my website page, off of my podcast page, when I've gotten comments. So I think there have been comments left that I have missed. And the only way I would know is if I went back in and sifted through every episode and read, you know, found out which comments were there and compared them with whoever I actually thanked, which I'm just not going to take the time to do at this point. I do really, really apologize if you had left a comment on a previous episode and then I had said, oh, thank you to all these people and your name was not read, I apologize. It was not a problem with the website. It was actually a problem with that email address that I had it linked to. And I've now changed that email address and I'm hoping that that doesn't happen again. I, I was having other issues with that email address as well. So to anybody who has ever commented on an episode that I have not thanked, 
thank you. <laughs> I apologize for missing you. And hopefully that will never happen again. Okay, I think that's it for this episode. Again, while you're listening to this, I am going to be off in other parts. You are going to have another episode next week coming to you while I am still off in other parts, but I'm going to, I have to get that done tonight too. So I'm going to go ahead and leave us here. Thank you again to everybody who has commented. Thank you to those who are playing along with the giveaways. Um, having a lot of fun with that. I always, you know, I ask questions for you to answer because I enjoy reading your answers. I'm going to have a good time. So thank you so much for that. And as you know, you can be in touch with me by emailing me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, which, by the way, is not the email address that was giving me problems. That one always seems to work. You can uh, follow my blog, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, um, Seamed Up, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Seamed Up and also on Flickr and Seamed Up in both places. I have donation quilt or charity quilt groups as well for you to post pictures and ideas for donation quilts. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. And there's probably a whole lot more that I'm missing, but you will find links for all of that and more, more fun at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.